Doug. And hello, Karen. Welcome back to... The Block. The Block. I was like, what are we called again? Who are oh, we? Who are we? Where are we? What's going Getting on? Getting real existential right off the bat. <laughs> my, um, my jet lag, as I was just telling Doug, my jet lag is over, and now I'm back to being tired, so... So here we go, which means Karen might pass out at any minute, just yeah, or, like the good old days. Or I'll say something just completely off the wall, and Doug will be like, what are you talking about? I'll be like, I have no idea. I feel like that has actually never happened. Oh, I did do it high once. I know, and you still made sense. Oh, okay. Even you, under controlled substances, makes more sense than most people at their best. Oh, well, I'll say, I'll tell Which you Which is what. their worst. I don't know. Me, uncontrolled substances make more sense than Melrose Place right now. Well, I don't know what substances they were on, but these episodes are, I'm not going to lie, getting harder and harder to watch. And yeah, all I have to do is sit there, right, for 44 minutes or whatever it is. But I mean, the anticipation ahead of time is more dread than it used to be. That's my honest to God truth in the season. I'm moving There's no fun. There's no fun for me. I'm moving in that direction right now. So we're season six, episode 17. 17. My gosh. Now, are we supposed to do this Coupe de Gras or is it Coupe de Grace? It's Coupe de Grasse. We, we, okay, like I was trying to figure out if they were. Coupe, it's Coupe de Gras. I'm sorry. Yeah. Coupe, Coupe de Gras. Okay, so it's not because it, I was like, or do they mean Coupe de Grace? De they mean the they're they they're it, making a play on Coupe de Gras with Coupe, so it's with Coupe, Coupe de Gras. Okay, got it. Okay, I. You know, but I have, I have, I have to something to say about hard. that. <laughs> Okay, what what do you have to say? I mean, when we when we get to that sort of part of of the coop storyline in the episode, I, I I have some thoughts, but we don't have to tee it up. We'll get there when we get there because this is how we do it. Okay. They're not brill- They're not insightful. They're just thoughts. So, um, I I mean, okay, where were we in terms of uh, where this landed in the season? Because this had a big finale. Uh, yeah, and it was like m- complete middle of the year, almost middle of the season. I feel like this aired January 98, hmm. which is like, so between September and May, pretty much just smack dab in the middle. Yeah, but it, it wasn't was sweeps. It didn't seem to be a big... It wasn't. It was not even well advertised. Hilarious. Look, uh, let's save that for the end. We will save that for the end, but I just wanted to sort of like ask that question um, just to sort of like get set up for this. So, okay, where do we, where do we start with this? You know what? Let's just, let's just do all this Kyle, Amanda Taylor continuation of, of the golf. Less bugle music this episode, but the story stays the same. But it's still a whole lot of nothing. Yeah. Well, I think they drag this out for the better part of what's left this season. Good lord. Yeah. Yeah. Good lord. Yeah. Okay, so uh, so we're back I think with the, with Kyle and Amanda are they're they're in the hospital. Well, no. And, no, right? not yet. No, 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 no. Not yet. We okay. we open on Kyle asleep in his own apartment. Um oh, okay. and he's having another like a golf flashback nightmare with Christine. Um 
and and he's awakened by a phone call and it's mario who's like our like unsung player this season calling from the restaurant he's like we need help because it turns out taylor is out of town again for for a few days um, I missed this whole thing. I must have been like in the bathroom or making a sandwich. Or you were like, you literally phone. pressed play and you were already like, I need a break. <laughs> I was already completely zoned out for this. This That's is not happened. familiar at all. <laughs> so were you still out of the room, either physically or mentally? Then we see Taylor come to see Nick in Dallas right after that. Yeah, I, I missed oh, okay. a chunk of that too. Right. But then I saw, but then I saw the, I saw the, 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 I saw the most important part of Taylor in Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, right. So, so to begin with, she like, <laughs> she like pushes more about Christine, and Nick is like, "You're a fucking asshole, and you don't get it. Get out." Yeah. Um. And then we go see Kyle sitting by Amanda at the hospital. That's and now Amanda's okay. sleeping. All right. Now I started paying attention. Um. Well, something big happens here, right? So there's more talk. Kyle and Amanda, like, she wakes up, and they talk about her, their pending marriage. Um, and then Peter walks in and he's like taking a little bit aback about their news about getting married. Um, yeah. And it was really, it was really funny. Cause Amanda was like, I thought Kyle told you. And Kyle's like, I thought Amanda told you it was really stupid. Yeah. It, it is like almost just like filler. Yeah. Um, and, and she like thanks him for coming to her rescue. Um, and he's like kind of prickly because he's a prick. Um, and then, and he goes to give her like a congratulatory kiss, right? Yes. And yeah. that's when she regains feeling in her legs. Yeah. Cause I guess he like leaned on her leg or something. And she's yeah, like, I, I her. And I was yeah. like, oh, okay. All right. And um, so so this is good news, and apparently her paralysis has lasted as long as Allison's blindness did. Um, and I guess about as long as Jane's paralysis did as well. Um, oh, right. We've already had a para paralyzed person. <laughs> did. They recycle their own storyline. Oh, yeah. my God. Well, I mean, look, even I forgot, so there you go. <laughs> um, and then we go back to Dallas. So Nick comes back to his apartment to find Taylor sitting in his apartment. And she's like, well, I told the landlord I was your sister and he let me in. And by the way, uh, he said you were two months late in rent, so I paid it for you. Um, and so she... There's a little she, back and forth about Christine. Yeah. I mean, it just is like, tell me about Christine. No. Yeah. Tell me about Christine. No. Tell well, me and about she's, Christine. No. And Taylor is like, look, here's the deal. Kyle is still in love with Amanda, but it's not really love. And and I just want to figure out who Christine is, because once I remind Kyle about Christine, he'll realize he's not in love with Amanda and then he'll be free of Amanda. And it's like, just stop. Yeah. Just stop. But yeah. she keeps asking for more information. Right. Um. And then we come back from a commercial break and find that Taylor and Nick have had sex. I mean, that was left field. I said... I, 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 I mean, I was like, seriously? Like, I get it that people fall into bed whenever, but these people hate each other. Yes. Like, there's no chemistry either. And so I, I'll just read my note, which is, if ever there was a hate fuck, it's this. It's this. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know and they're like there's nothing there's like it just fe- feels so like obligatory but yeah, then i was like well why would you do that like why does this need yeah. to happen why why do they need to they it didn't make any sense to me and it was you know usually fun. it's okay there's a quid pro quo or it's there's blackmail or something if they don't like each other but this was just like i hate you you hate me and we're here and we, you know, we don't really see them building up to it either. We just come back and it's like, oh, here they go. Yeah, there was no setup. There was no like, like, oh, like if they were like screaming at each other, it like in each other's faces, and then right. all of a and sudden, it was a whole like, Sam and Diane thing. Yeah, like, sure. Oh, no, yeah. okay, right. Uh, all right, I'll buy that. But there was nothing. Nothing. Right. Nothing. So then it takes uh, a a slightly interesting jagged turn when. Taylor talks about how in addition to Kyle running the restaurant, he with Amanda also formed the jazz club, which apparently was a shared dream that Nick and Kyle had had for years. So now Nick is jealous that Kyle opened a jazz club without him. Yes. Kyle, who kicked Nick to the curb and the two have never spoken to each other in the year that has transpired since, Nick, I guess, decided that, well, whatever Kyle did with his life, he wouldn't open a jazz club. Not without How him. How dare he? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's and it's like enough to rankle him. And Taylor's like, and I have a share in the jazz club, and you know what? I'll let you in on some of my share. Um, and then he like starts to tell her a little bit more. Uh, he's like, look, Christine was a Marine. They met on their way to the Gulf. Uh, and then he like stops himself and kicks her out again. Like he gets out of bed and kicks her out again. And then we see Taylor just sitting at, like, the lounge at the fake Dallas-Fort Worth airport. I don't even know if she has a return ticket or she's just sitting there waiting. Mm. But but Nick, because it's pre-9-11, finds her and goes right over to her. He wants to know more about the jazz club. And he's like, you know what? This sounds like what Kyle and I used to talk about. Um, and, you know, and... Taylor mis not misconstrues but like misportrays things like well Amanda's now calling all the shots and she's really bossy and and she's gonna run this club into the ground which is like she just shows up from time to time yeah she just shows um, up and has a drink every once in yeah. a while she does nothing yes but then we find out more about Christine but wait, there's more Christine who in the last episode where they first introduced the storyline and we saw Nick tell Kyle that Christine is dead guess what. Christine is not dead. <laughs> Christine is not dead. Christine is alive. I think there's going to be a Christine in our future. But her face was disfigured in mm. that explosion. So she made Nick promise to tell Kyle that she was dead so he would be spared having to spend his life with someone with a disfigured face. She played dead and disappeared from his life so she wouldn't hurt him. Which is just after Amanda was going to leave and not even tell Kyle because she wanted to not be paralyzed and become a burden to Kyle. So many women are trying to let Kyle live his best life by disappearing from him. And as we've seen, by the way, he has treated Amanda in the first half of this season like no one deserves that reprieve less. Right? I know. They're all trying to spare Kyle the I mean, agony. Christine is what, like, she's essentially just the phantom of the opera at this point. And it's like, all right, so she's got scarring on her face. She never wants to be with her true love again? No, because she's got scarring. No, that would and be, if she I mean, really yeah. loved Kyle, then that's the worst thing possible because she ended up sticking him uh, with Taylor. Exactly, exactly. But, I mean, you know, Kyle's a hottie. Yeah. 
And and no scars on his face. No scars on and his And he face. always had two legs that were able to walk. So yes. he he deserved to be with yeah. like creatures. I mean, the whole thing is just so ludicrous. <laughs> no, it is. I, I mean, you know, I mean, I, could we have gone? I mean, I, I don't know. The whole thing. Is here's, but here's the other thing. And this is to me a departure from the earlier seasons of the show. It is ludicrous. But they're not playing the camp factor here. They're really playing it straight. But I don't even think there is camp with these storylines at this point. It's just it's just stupid. But don't you think there could be if they played it that way? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we're talking about, like, disfigurement and, like, par- paralysis. We're not talking about, like, madcap Sydney and Michael. But even, you know, like... I mean, I thought it was really, like, okay, like, when Sid and Michael were trying to kill each other, that was really fun. Yeah. No, that was fun. But that's not this. No, none of this is fun, for sure. And I don't It feels, don't it know... feels workmanlike. Yeah, All of these, like, hoops that they're creating. Fun. Yeah, and I don't even know how you make it fun. And even, well, even Lisa Rinna can't make it fun. And she's, she is trying to camp. She is trying to camp. She is, but like, I mean, I even feel less so in these episodes. I feel like she can't do it by herself. Yeah, well, that's part of the problem, too. But I yeah. also think, I mean, the only other answer I have to your question of how do you make the camp, I mean, I think if we had some of our earlier OGs, our original actors, I think there would have been a bit of a difference. It's like right. having Harrison Ford in your movie. There's always that little, like, upturned smile, even when he's delivering mm. the dialogue. And I just think most, not all, but most of our current cast can't do it. Okay, so here's a question. Do you? Because one of the things that I felt while I was watching this episode was that uh, Lisa Rinna and Thomas Calabro were actually just performing in a completely different show because their performances did have that sort of heightened kind of campy aspects to it. And everybody else was just playing it straight. Well, I mean, obviously our MVP is Brooke Langton because she's so great. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, I had to pause for a minute. I was like, oh, she doesn't, she actually believes I'm saying this. Yeah, they're, they're pretty much. Doug, where is he? Where'd you put him? It's Doug 2.0. Yeah, no, I didn't mean that. Um, Yeah, those are pretty much our only two, because even, like, even Heather Locklear is playing this really straight. Yeah, I mean, I just really felt like there were only, like, like Michael and Taylor were just in a completely different show doing something completely different than everybody else. Yeah. That is where we are. Yeah. Yeah. So moving along now, Kyle wakes up shouting for Christine again, but we see those leopard sheets. So we know he's no longer in his place. He's in (laughs) Amanda's. (laughs) And more importantly, Amanda is in Amanda's apartment, not at the hospital. And she is able using a walker to get herself to the bathroom. So, okay, great progress. Good for you. Uh, Some might say yes, indeed. Um, And then I guess it's later that night. Maybe it's the next night. There's the time warp. We don't know for sure. Probably later that night. And Kyle's now working at the upstairs. He calls Amanda, who says she's fine. Um, she's going to be working 
at home a little bit and he's going to be out still for a couple more hours but she's she's like don't worry about me i'm fine which is how we know she won't be fine um and after they hang up she goes from the bedroom <laughs> to the living room we won't be fine you know it's like oh tell tell my girlfriend i love her it's like you're never going to see your girlfriend <laughs> you're uh, going to die yeah okay uh, so yeah, she goes to the living room with the walker and she gets her bag. Um, and as she turns around, the bag gets caught on the chair. Um, and, and so she ends up falling to the floor she and like plants. the walker, the walker is out of reach. I remember. So interestingly, cause we're going to talk a bit about how they promoted this episode in advance. And this episode got a lot of promotion, but it was primarily for this scene. And there was even a lot of like entertainment tonight type shows going behind the scenes about this With Amanda stunt. falling on her ass. Of Amanda fall- well, cause it's not falling on her ass. She falling falls on her, her front. Yeah. And so they talked about how the stuntman did, and they actually had to like dig a hole in the floor of the set so that her stomach was actually under the like the ground level of the floor. Oh, she was um, still pregnant. Well, I don't know if she was still pregnant or if this is right after. I don't know timing wise. Okay. Uh, they uh, this aired after she had given birth. I don't know how far back it was filmed. Okay. Possible that it was because they did the they did like the double ups they did twice the number of episodes at once um it's possible she was still pregnant and this is one of the things they did so she could like lay on the floor but i don't know that that's actually easier <laughs> it's one thing laying in a hospital bed yeah, it's know, another it feels, thing it feels, laying it, down on the floor when you're nine months pregnant being that pregnant and laying <laughs> yeah. on the floor like that face down does not like no but they did they did like drill a hole in the floor so that her belly could like protrude beneath it for this scene and this was the scene that they showed uh, like an amanda in peril scene to actually sell the show it's funny because we think a lot of we think very little quite frankly of of some of these amanda kyle storylines they seem very back burner right now there's not much to them but Mm -hmm. they were still the ones that were getting the most airplay on fox when they promoted it um so anyway, she's shouting for help, and uh, I actually thought, oh, so that's that. This is the the Amanda cliffhanger for the episode, but wait, there's more, because I guess she's been shouting some more. And oddly, because there is activity going on at Melrose Place, no one else hears her shouting except for Taylor, who is back from Dallas and lets herself into the apartment. Um, and Amanda has her pride. So she's like, don't tell Kyle, just help me up. And Taylor's like, okay, well, since we're sharing secrets, sister, <laughs> let me tell you about Christine. And you that's know, where they leave that. You know what was great, though, about this scene that I love so much, and I think that they must have ad-libbed it, is Taylor's helping her up, and she goes, ooh, you weigh more than you look. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that is a great line. And I thought for sure that was in the script, actually. So I was like, oh, that's a like quintessential Taylor at this point. And I was laughing. I like that. I was like, oh, that's funny. Like, that's funny. And that's where I sort of got the sense that, like, Rinna is just, like, playing it for the camp. And, like, well, I have to say, watching her now throughout these seasons of hers uh, in real time on Housewives of Beverly Hills... Mm-hmm. It could really be either one. It could really be Rinna and this is her style, or it could be this was a, a line of dialogue written for Taylor. It's 50-50. But either way, it worked. It worked, and it was It hilarious. is a good line. Yeah, yeah, it was a great line. Um, because who cares about Christine? It was just, like, who so much fun. Who cares? Yeah. 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 
And we're going to say that again and again, I think. Who cares about Christine? We've not seen or heard the last of this. As you can, as you are, I'm sure, sure. Yeah, I am sure. Okay, who's next? I mean, I think we should do Peter and Lexi, even though Peter factors into a couple threads. Um, I feel like we can get this out of the way. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Daddy, Lexi's dad. Mr. Sterling, yeah. Mr. Sterling has shown up from wherever, Missouri? Where are they from? Somewhere southern. Somewhere southern. I don't even know if they've said. But uh, somewhere southern, but wasn't she in Chicago? Wasn't? Well, she was living in Cleveland, right? It was Cleveland. Because where was Kimberly? Where did Kimberly? Cleveland. That's that's where it all happened. Yeah. But I don't know. Like they could have met elsewhere or he was in med school or something and and a residency took them to Cleveland. But very southern family. And yes, southern, big business, big money, southern. Yeah. Like. Texas. It does seem like yeah. like like that da- like Mr. Sterling could have walked off the set of Dallas. Yeah, it does seem like that. Yep. Like he's that guy. Um and so it is uh I guess still clear that he does not like Peter. Yeah, and still Peter, hates Peter. Yeah. Does not like him. And I I mean I don't get this other than well, we'll find out. Yeah, I mean, it is like he has just come here now to be the newest antagonist to Peter. But but I respect him because at least he sees the real Peter, whereas the show itself tries to, like, obfuscate who Peter is. But, um, but yeah, so Peter goes to the hospital. Lexi's having breakfast alone with her dad, and he's like, what are you doing with that bozo? Um, which I was like, you're right. What is anyone doing with that bozo? Fair question. <laughs> Um, and she's like, no, I like him, daddy. He's small-minded. Or, excuse me. He's strong-minded. And um, uh, I think you'll, you'd really like him. So whatever. Um, and then later there's a scene of Peter talking to Coop, um, he, you know, about Lexi's dad. And he's like, well, the father is cold and Machiavellian, but if you stay on his good side, you'll get along great. We did. And it's like, I get that. I get that. They they want us to show that Lexi's dad hates Peter, but why does Lexi's dad love Coop and continue to hold him in a, such high esteem? Because Coop did cheat on his daughter. Yeah, it, it was very very strange, and I think they tried to sort of cover that up a bit in the first, um, in that first scene of the breakfast scene because she Lexi said to him, "Well, you know, he did cheat with his comatose patient." And he was like, Paul, you know, you know, men will stray, except for me. I was, I was, wink, wink, you know, I was always faithful to your mom, wink, wink, and sort of saying he didn't, you know, he wasn't. Oh, I totally missed that. I must have left the room then. Oh, uh, yeah, no, it was something, it was something oh, to that effect. All right, so was, they at least acknowledged it. He, they did, they did acknowledge it, but it was definitely blown off. Yeah, but basically, Coop is still the golden boy to Mr. Sterling, and he hates Peter. Um, right. You know, and eventually Mr. Sterling drops by the hospital, Peter sees him and Coop being chummy, and they plan to play tennis later. Um you know, and, and somehow Mr. Sterling thinks that Coop did Peter the favor and brought Peter in as a partner. Um, you know, and later uh, at a reception that we'll get to, Lexi, um, you know, says that her dad just always thought that, that Coop hung the moon, which, uh, okay, 
Fine. Okay. Um, so then, because they have to go to Kyle's, uh, Peter and Lexi, who live nowhere near Kyle's, um, are having dinner with um, Mr. Sterling. Uh, and, you know, he's being surly. He's complaining about his dinner. And then he announces that he is moving uh, his or he's he's like expanding his company to the West Coast. And he wants Lexi, who has basically never had a job and only made one abortive <laughs> attempt to do some interior decorating, to run the West Coast Company. Division. And this is a Fortune 100 company. Yeah. And she is going to run the West Coast office. And she just basically claps her hands, dances in her seat, and goes, and goes, oh, Daddy, you're the best. And I was like, oh, Christ. Yep. That is what she does. Basically, yeah. Um, and but she can't even like thank her dad appropriately, right? I mean, like she, correctly, she goes to hug him and gets her elbow in in some of in his sauce. Stick, yeah. So like she goes off to the bathroom to try and clean the stain out, leaving the two men together. And Mr. Sterling is like, you know, he tells Peter that he has all the morals of a rabid skunk. Um, and and his plan with this um, appointment of Lexi as see everything. Oh, is um. Like if she's got if she's running her own Fortune 100 company, um, she'll eventually want she'll view Peter as small potatoes and and want someone better than him. Where it's like I don't really know, like what guy with scruples Lexi is gonna find if if all of her motivation is like shallow things like money and power. But but okay, Mr. But Sterling, okay. well well played for now. Yeah. It's you know it's just nice to see someone anyone serving Peter even though Peter isn't being particularly ill behaved these days it's still nice because I remember I know we all remember what Peter was like before the writers might not but we remember we remember um still stupid though even though really, it looks really like stupid. he's getting his comeuppance but still just really stupid and the whole thing is that you know Lexi just can't seem to I, the assumption is Lexi can't make her own choices. That's right. And you know. and she also um, does not seem to be able to make her own choices. Yeah. So and, it's sort of not a wrong assumption. It's just a shitty character. Yeah. And she's unemployable. I mean, uh, you know, the great thing, too, yeah. is like after that, like, you know, she goes to the bathroom. Peter's like, oh, Mr. Sterling, that's so wonderful. You know, she wanted to do this interior design thing. But no, this is just much better suited to her. What? Yeah. I mean, also, it is better. I mean, go from sure. being someone's employee to being the boss. Sure. Yeah, it's better. Absolutely. But it was just kind of like, this is just much better. And I'm like, for whom? I mean, it was just kind of like, yeah, oh, that makes total sense. Makes total sense. Yeah. On planet nowhere. But yeah. 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 Really? So, okay. There's a little bit of Peter left, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. There's also... A, like a trickle of Billy in another story, but I think we can get Billy and Sam out of the way real quick. Okay. So we see them also at Kyle's sometime at the beginning of the episode. Um, they've landed this new client that I don't really think I, I picked up much about them in this rewatch. No, I didn't but, either. But they want their spokesperson to be this famous baseball player named Jeff Baylor. Um, 
and and Billy says something like, I'm sure you have no idea who he is. And Sam's like, yeah, I know who Jeff Baylor is. He plays for blah, 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 blah. She knows, like, all those stats, whatever. Yeah. And Billy's like, oh, you're a secret baseball fan. It's like, you're married. You've been together two years. You don't even know she likes watching baseball? I know. That's why I was like, when does she watch baseball when Billy's not around? Exactly. Like, wh- like when, does she- when does this happen? Like, it's like she's hiding it. It's like she's, you know... Hiding the chocolates. I mean, quite frankly, that would be a better storyline. I know, it kind of would. Better, I mean, better than, like, the dumb thing about how she has uh, dropped her ring down the sink. He notices that she's not wearing it. Um, She was able to find it, but they need to, like, clean out the grime. So for the time being, she's not wearing it. Interesting. Okay, fine. So then they're at this pediatric AIDS charity fair. Like, town fair. Oh, Um, yeah, we should also add that, um, that... Billy tells because Sam is very gung ho about getting this guy for the clients, and she's like, "We'll get him." And and when the clients leave, and Billy's like, "We're not going to get him. He will is dead set against endorsements. He will not do them." Oh yes, yeah, he's yeah, you know, he's like, so he, he, he's Mister Decline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so and so Billy's like, "You shouldn't have said that to the clients because now they're going to be mad." Yes, and also Billy, you shouldn't have brought your graphic designer to these client meetings. So mm-hmm. even. Um, Remember, right. under promise and over deliver. But right. um, Brooke didn't get that memo. Um, well, Sam, Sam, oh, Sam didn't get that memo. Brooke Sam. doesn't get anything because she's dead. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I've done that a thousand times because the actress's name is Brooke. I know. I'm so confused. Sam. Sam. Okay, moving on. Um, and it's tricky, right? Because at one point I was talking about Jennifer to Alyssa and um, and I called her Samantha because that was her name on Who's the Boss. Uh, uh, <laughs> so we're at this this town fair yeah. and um, Jeff Baylor, our, uh, our, our big uh, MLB guy, is uh, in the dunk tank. And so Billy is like trying to pitch literally and figuratively. He's trying to pitch and land Baylor to do this endorsement. Uh, at the same time, he's he he keeps throwing the ball to try and and hit the thing and, and make him fall into the tank. And he keeps missing and missing mm-hmm. badly. And so Jeff Baylor is like lightning bolt instantly smitten the second he sees sam who you know they introduce her she's like hi i'm the graphic designer here and, um, <laughs> yeah that's exactly what it was either <laughs> i was you're not lying that's exactly what it was like, like. <laughs> you think i'm being like hyperbolic i'm over exaggerating i'm like just like one degree into caricature here that's basically what it's like and so baylor is like listen if you can get that last pitch to dunk me uh i'll do it so Sam throws the last ball and it dunks him. So go Sam. And then afterward, uh, she walks over and, and hands him her card. Yeah. Now, I'm going to guess, first of all, he's still soaking wet. So I'm not sure how well that card is going to last. I'm going to guess, and I'm not saying this because I remember, I remember nothing much about this storyline. I'm going to guess that maybe it has her maiden name on the card. But anyway, that's enough for this story for this week. It's enough, and it is too much all at the same time. Moving on. So we move on to, we're going to do, let's do Michael with more of Coop and some Megan and um, like our our new girl, Amber. Yeah. I don't know. Is Amber, I don't, I feel like Amber isn't long for this world. No, I have a feeling the same. Okay. 
so Coop drives over to the beach house and he sees Amber um, basically moving, moving her stuff in and and she's like Michael or does, does Coop say something like Michael needed someone like you or does she say Michael needed someone like me I think Coop says that I'm saying I think Coop says that my note is unclear I just have says Michael needs someone like her but anyway, Michael is, of course, he's like pissed off this at the mere sight of Coop on his property. But they shake hands and, and reach a detente of sorts and they say, like, there's going to be a clean slate between the two the two of them. So, of course, we know there won't be. Um, and there's a, a, a what's a Burns Mancini Cooper reception happening the next night for like the doctor for the, what the board of directors for the I don't know, for very fancy people. It's unclear the reason for the event. They just like need to have an event, right? Um, and so, um, I guess the next scene is the event for all these guys, and they show Amber is wearing a short dress that exposes lots of leg, um, and you know, like everyone's like everyone. Lexi, um, Lexi, yeah, it's Lexi and Megan are like yeah. clutching their pearls, and Megan like takes her out in the hall, and she's like, mm, "Not sure that that's the appropriate way to dress," and she like gives her her scarf or something to wear, like nothing that will really cover up the stuff that's uncovered, but she's like, "That's better." Meanwhile, Coop comes to Amber with champagne, and she's like, "Ooh, I get crazy on it," and then we watch her drink it, and she guzzles it, and he refills it. Later, Amber makes a scene in front of everyone. She gets up on a table, like kind of the way like only people on TV get drunk in public places. At least like you can get drunk on champagne. I've never really had that, but but I've not made like that much of a spectacle of myself. Maybe right. if I had something harder. Um, so then Michael tries to get her to come down and in doing so they both lose their balance and like smash the entire buffet table. Um, and we see Coop has this like smug smirk on his face. Look like, yeah, he, he may have made, he didn't even make Amber drink. He supplied the beverage, but Michael's the one who brought this horse to water. I mean, Michael saw what she was wearing and had no problem with it, knowing full well what the event was. And, you know, like, I don't know. I, I, I like Coop was not Nostradamus. He didn't know that like Amber was gonna really go crazy and how she was gonna respond. So, so I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm Team Coop more than I am Team Megan here. Especially when the next day happens, and Michael is like pouting outside on the deck, and Amber comes over, and and he calls her trash, and she slaps him. Because he's like, you just basically like sealed my death warrant, uh, with with Burns Mancini, Burns Mancini Cooper, whatever. Yeah. Is this the last we see of her? I don't know. I have no memory of her or the story, so it can't be too long lived. <laughs> I want to say yes because of what because of what we're about to get. So, yeah. so okay, and then we cut to Peter, Megan, and Coop meet at Kyle's again at Kyle's. Um, it's amazing. We have this many standalone scenes happening at Kyle's. We have no stories intersecting. We have none of these people all seeing each other being there at the same time, which again, all these siloed stories just saying that's not what the show used to be. Um, so they're all talking about 
cutting Michael out of the practice. And then Michael walks in and sees them. How did he know this was happening and that it was at Kyle's? There's no answer. I th- wait, I, I thought he was joining them and they were going to have a talk with him about it. Does he say that when he's uh, talking to Amber? I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. Maybe he did just show up. I have no idea. I, I But for some reason, I don't know. I don't know why I thought that he knew that they like he was meeting them. You there. could be right. I'm not gonna rewatch this to find out. Yeah, I know. I'm not interested. It's I'm all it's whatever. <laughs> it's also so Michael makes another scene and he says they'll all pay and basically says that they're his enemies. Um, and then he picks up Coop's drink to toast them and and then like throws the drink in Coop's face and storms out. And then like because she never wants her hands to be dirty with anything megan also leaves and it's like megan like e- either be a part of this practice or or don't like i don't care um so then this uh, when megan accuses coop of setting michael up and i'm like how much of this like was michael not a part of hanging his own like tying his own noose together to hang himself Right. Like he, like he's the one who said, like I'll fixate on Amber next, and I'll bring her to this thing. Like, like Michael was the one who's been on thin ice, and it's his own fault. Um, but Coop does say that Megan needs to stop feeling loyal to Michael, um, and he does point out that now Michael is trying to recreate Megan through Amber, which was basically what we have said before. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, my other note is, does Michael really need to be set up? Because Michael has been setting himself up for a while now. And Peter has defended him, saying like, well, he brings in a different kind of clientele. But I don't even know that we've seen much of that clientele, because we don't really know anything about how the practice is doing, um, other than the fact that good enough to have this reception. <laughs> and it was very fancy. They had like crab legs. They had like yeah, the yeah. The food spread. looked pretty good. Yeah, it looked really good. I was like, oh, wow. They used the whole budget for like the season. Yeah, which is why we can only film things at Kyle's. So, so in his final scene, well, almost final scene, but for this storyline. Michael comes home and he starts yelling at Amber that they need to talk. And then he goes to sit down and he turns on his TV and, oh, wait, the TV is gone. The VCR is gone. The microwave is gone. His stereo is gone. His cappuccino machine is gone. He goes into his bedroom. He opens a drawer. Uh, His grandpa's cufflinks and a thousand dollars in cash yet are gone. And Amber is gone. (laughs) Gee, I wonder what happened. She cleaned him out. So it's like, but was she really working him? Like, was he a mark this whole time? Because it all seems to be a little too convenient. If, and I think that probably is the story. And I think that probably is why we won't see her again. But like, but I'd rather like found like, because we like Coop knew about her. But it was like, but the storyline began where Michael's car broke down and he happened to see that strip club while he was there. Like, is Coop really that good that he knew how to, you know, like fiddle with Michael's car at just the right spot well, so that that's think, when he'd have to I, leave? I don't think it was that. But when he saw Michael sort of making eyes at her in the strip club, he was like, ah, I will talk to her and tell her to play him. It could be. I don't know that we'll see that scene. But, or it could be that next week we do get a meeting between Amber and Coop. 
Or it could be that Amber's, Amber's just gone. and. I mean, it could be that Amber's so pissed at the many times Michael has called her shit that she's yeah, like, and this is what you get, which is the preferred comeuppance for me. I agree. I, I would much prefer that to be, yeah. So there you go, guys. That's uh, that's Karen being sleepy. Yeah, sorry, guys. <laughs> sorry, a little sleepy. <laughs> Um, so, okay, that leaves us with the darkest and the stupidest storyline of the episode. Uh, this is Jennifer and Craig, mostly. Um, Jennifer is walking out of the complex, and there's a voice in the darkness starts talking to her and mentioning, uh, something about a heart valve. And you may be thinking, what heart valve? It's because it's a new plot development invented for this episode that we know nothing about. Um, but it's Willie Garson, who was the scientist back in the like early stages of the um, cauterizing glove storyline. Um, that like the nerdy guy that was testing stuff out that Samantha, no, see, I did it again. That that Jennifer hit on, um, so that she could get the wrong versions because she was trying to work on like some mini sabotage there. Anyway. He's back and he's saying that Craig is doing some some no good business where he's trying to switch manufacturers and it's a dangerous deception with a faulty heart valve and and he's warning her because this is going to be really bad. And then we see at the upstairs while Jennifer's working, Craig is there and she starts reprimanding him. And of course, he starts patronizing her and, and it gets even worse right quick because he says if she opens her trap, he will kill her. And then he repeats it. And it's like, where is any of this storyline or any of this darkness or any of this desperation coming from? Yeah, we've never seen this We've never, ever seen it. So it seems like maybe they are building very quickly to a storyline that's kind of going to be the escape hatch for Craig because um, David Charvet is leaving the show. What I will say is, it was announced earlier this season in real time that David Charvet was leaving and that he was leaving mid-season. So I think most people were not surprised that he left. People may have been surprised how he left, which we're going to get to. Um, but, but like this could have been done differently, and I'll get to that in a bit. The next time we see Jennifer, she comes to Coop about Craig and the heart valve and how she wants him to do something about it. Um, and so then later on, Craig comes to, to Jennifer's apartment. He's got some flowers, ugly looking wilted flowers. Um, (laughs) and you know, he like talks his way into the apartment. He says, I want to apologize that, you know, Coop kicked me out of the company. And the second he's in the apartment and the door is closed behind them. Um, uh, he goes, look, I know it was you that tipped Coop off. I'm not a fool. And then he's like, I've lost everything. You know, he repossessed my car. I don't even have a car, which is an important point. Um, and he really starts to attack her. He throws the flowers at her. She takes the vase that she had taken out for the flowers and throws it at him. He ducks and it smashes through the window, um, which signals Billy, who is outside, to get his attention. So he runs up to the apartment and basically pulls Craig off as Craig starts to assault Jennifer. Um, and Craig just runs away. Dun, da, da. Um, and, and we Billy do see her. Th- comforts her. And Billy comforts her. Which. So, yeah. Now, if we remember with Billy's storyline, 
there seems to be some sort of attraction between the baseball star and Sam. So, and remember when a couple of maybe last episode or the episode before when um, Jennifer was telling Sam, you've got Mm -hmm. a good one with Billy, you're so lucky. Just yep, that was that just last there. week. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Just throwing that out there. Yeah. Nope. You have great spidey sense when it comes to mm-hmm. this stuff. Um, we, we do see Michael this one time because he's in Jennifer Megan's apartment. He's she's got a really bad bruise on her face from this attack. Um, and, you know, he at one point leans over. He was like, you know, if you want, I'd call you into my office. Then he looks at Megan and pouts. He goes, but I have no office to go to. <laughs> no office to go to. Well, okay. <laughs> Um, so then later Jennifer is walking out of the courtyard again um, and someone pulls a gun on her right outside her car uh, and he asks her for her keys and then she realizes that it's Craig um, and he's like I just want the car and he essentially shoves her away and drives off in her car and then we get the last scene of the show Um, Kyle has like driven to some park some field I don't, I, I'm sorry, I said Kyle, Craig. Who knows where he is? Somewhere isolated. Um, and he's talking to the the late, great Sydney. Um, and he's saying, I'm so sorry. I couldn't do it without you. Um, he says a little bit more, but it's basically saying the same thing. He picks up the gun. And then we go to a long shot of the car and we see the gun going off. And in case you're wondering, yeah, there's no mystery. Craig has just killed himself, which is really not what this show does. People die. People usually die in outlandish, unexpected, unpremeditated deaths, um, but they don't kill themselves. They don't blow their brains out. They don't mourn their lost wives and and do that. Yeah, I was Um, actually really shocked that they did that. And it's very out of step. And the show, again, will never again do anything like this, just this one time. It was um, it was totally shocking. And it was like, yeah. what did they just do? Because, no, this, this show does not do that. And it was very out of step for the, for the show. Yeah. Now, I get they never knew what to do with Craig this entire season. And I'm sure David Charvet was not patient or just ready to move on or whatever. But what they should have done, what I would have done at least, I don't know what their restrictions were, um, Two, three episodes ago, I would have just started building a storyline where Craig was panicking, getting desperate, introduced this heart valve thing then, focus more on that than Craig just constantly belittling Jennifer and their relationship um, and being abusive and nasty. Um, And just like make him leave town. Just send him on the run. Yep. Yeah, I was. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Make him embezzle money or something from the yeah, company. And yeah. Yeah. Make him, him lie to everyone and just like you know, like run out of of hope and and that's all. And he runs off to Mexico with. Yeah. With like, yeah. We know, never see him money. again. Yeah. Yeah. With with Coop's money I, or whoever. Yeah. So, like someone's. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not what they did. No. Which also means like he went through all of Sydney's life insurance, which like pisses me off. So I'm glad that they basically, I interpreted it as <laughs> this show. The we storyline literally. You know, yeah, yeah, there well, that too. Yeah, but also that it's like you know we too have never gotten over writing Sydney out, so um, he can't possibly even go on. So we're gonna call it back to that, and and then really put an end to this terrible, terrible storyline. But but yeah, I would have done it differently. 
I would but they were, you know, whatever. Hamstrung, hamstrung yeah. by David Charvet, who can't even sell any of this. So, oh, know, that scene in the minutes. car was just terrible. I mean, the acting was just. I, I mean, mean, it was just. It was. It was next level bad. This sounds. This sounds like catty, perhaps, but. I mean, just the mere memory of Sid outacted the the dialogue that David <laughs> Sherry was actually delivering. I mean, this was just beyond. It was so terrible. It was truly, truly terrible. Yeah, it was bad. It was it was bad writing, bad development, bad acting, bad taste, bad, bad everything. everything. Okay, so um, here's my question. I'll be curious to see next next week if. People are like, where's Craig? Craig who? Well, the apartment's open. Who's going to rent it out now? So I'll I mean, say this. My, I mean, my, like... my my memory is it is acknowledged. It factors into Jennifer's story a little, but in a way that's like dumb. And then everyone is like pretty much moved on. I don't know if half the cast even acknowledges Craig being off the show or dead for that matter. That's awesome. So, um, you know, the question is, does Megan move into that apartment are we going to have somebody new on Melrose Place? Um, I don't think we do. Like, nobody's going to move in there? I mean, people may move around the complex. I honestly can't remember. Nick? I don't think... Nick's in town? Does he move into Melrose? Well, we haven't seen the last of Nick. Yes. Yeah. I can't remember. I can't remember if he's like living in a motel or if he oh, actually right. moves into Melrose. I don't remember. He may, you're right. probably right, but I don't remember. Um, but he factors in for a while, and Jeff Baylor factors in for a while. I don't think he's moving to Melrose Place. No, probably not. So yeah, I think I think we still have a lot of episodes to go, but I think we have kickstarted a couple of our like long-term end-of-season storylines here. And, okay. And they're not great. But I, what I can't remember is what happens next with Michael. So I'm I'm curious about that. Okay. So, how many, how, does this have the full 31 or 33 I, You know, I think it does because I think I had remembered that it had a few less, like maybe 28. Okay. Um, and I think Alyssa looked it up and she's like, no, I think there's 34. Oh, all right. So, we're, we still have a ways to go for this season. Yeah, okay. we do. Hmm. All right. There we go. Um, so that was the episode, guys. It was um, a little because it was just, I mean, it was it was bad. It was dark, it was but not particularly good. <laughs> like not particularly monumental as the exit of a character should be. Yeah, no, it was it was kind of it was all sorts of bad. So yeah, I guess we can leave it at that. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. Yeah. Um I'll talk next week about the the Hallmark movie that I watched with Jack Wagner and Josie Bissett, the sixth in the series that they're doing. Ooh. But um, that's not for today. I mean, no, nah, I'm ready. I'm ready to move past the block. I'll save okay. it. I'll save that one. Um, okay. But I will say, um, Jack's face is sure interesting. Wow. Yeah. I don't mean to sound mean. I'm just. I tell truths. I know. I know. Now, having said that, I think it's time to move on to uh, the boulevard and okay. um, and uh, talk about 2021 things. All right, cool. So we'll see you guys over there.
stay well. See you next week back on the block.